0: Well, good morning, Hope. Uh, glad that you're here worshiping with us this weekend. My name is Brent Rao. For those of you that I have yet to meet, I lead student ministry here at the Ankeny campus and usually spend time hanging out with students, but get to share this weekend with you as we worship together. Um, as we start our service, I want to invite you into a little uh, mind activity, a mind and discussion activity. So there will be a set of photos up on the screen, and I just want you to turn to your neighbor and explain to them what you see, as, as in few of words as you can. So for instance. Gas guzzler and smart car, right? You might, whatever it may be for you, from your perspective, what do you see? So let's go to the next one. What do you see? Tell your neighbor. A beast of a dog or a little purse dog? Some of you like those. And next, some of you like to be big and swole. Others, I'm fine just being lean and fit and mean. What do you see? And next... On a hot summer day, you might really, when a little Dixie cup doesn't do, you might need a big gulp. Big gulp, say. Eh? And then lastly, uh, some of you really hope to have this big, gigantic home, maybe for space to host family, friends. Others, others of you maybe are trending on the, the side of, I want a tiny home. Minimize, you know, it's one of those fads these days. And my wife and I, we've talked about that, but we realize we might not have enough room for our stuff, but... Uh, we'd have to get rid of some things first, but I really like that idea. But anyways, speaking of homes, I want you to hold this idea and this thought. The way I looked at it, there's something big and mini, the, the mini version of it, big and mini. Hold on to that thought. Uh, as we prepare, it'll it'll come back, I uh, trust me. But also, uh, we're in this summer series called the Summer of Acts, and today we're going to be talking about flip or flop in a Philippian jail. How many of you have seen the HGTV show Flip or Flop? Right? You might have an idea of this show's concept. For those of you that are unfamiliar, that don't really watch much TV like me, uh, we, we might still have the understanding, like, the, the premise of this is well, they're going in, fixing up the house, hoping to turn a profit, which means f- they would flip it, and that would be well, or else it's a complete flop. No profit. It was a waste of time. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they learned something through the process. But ultimately, there is this reality in today's story that we're going to unravel a little bit. And if you've been joining us throughout the summer, the summer of Acts has been walking us through the book of Acts and teaching us many lessons. And each and every time that we gather, our hope is that we would walk away just a little bit different, that there might be a little bit of a flip in our life, that it wouldn't be something to just be a complete wash, that you would walk away and it would be a flop and nothing would happen. But God, we trust that God is speaking to each and every one of us when we gather together. And so I want to encourage you to think about what is it that you're going to walk away with, Uh, because we should... Each and every time that we encounter God, he's trying to speak to us in a way that just changes our direction a little bit. So this past week, I spent a a week at camp, FCA camp. I don't know if you're familiar with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But as a coach, I coach soccer here in in Ankeny, and I've had the, the privilege of coaching student-athletes for many years. And this is a week now for the second year in a row that I've been away and been able to hang out with nearly 350 athletes, uh, 50 other coaches. And then also there's these college students. One of them is actually with us today. I got to give a shout out to Connor. There you go, Connor Reardon, one of our college students. He's at Simpson. But they're huddle leaders and they guide these high school student-athletes through the week-long experience and their journey of learning how to connect faith and sports. And so I've had the privilege of coaching soccer, something that I love, uh, but also lining it up with faith, which is very central to my life. And this experience, often camp experiences like this can be a mountaintop experience for students, for those that are involved in camp, or if you've been on a retreat or family camp, you might have those moments where you're like, man, can't we just take this back home with us? And this happens and. This is really true for many of the student-athletes that are gathered. I mean, this is a photo from the second night we're at worship together, and we're talking like complete strangers coming together, uh, students just putting their arms around one another in worship and just learning what it looks like to be in community and to live life together. The theme was one this year, and it just was a perfect picture of what being the body of Christ looks like and as we walk through the week the chapel speaker was uh, kind of leading the students into this journey this opportunity to make a decision and make a decision in their life whether uh, they had yet to come to faith yet to follow God uh, maybe that was the decision that they were going to make that they were going to proclaim right here right now in the in the place where believers are gathered together I want to join on this journey I want to follow after Christ with my whole heart my whole soul so that was one of the opportunities that students were given. But another one was there are plenty of students that are there that are yeah they're believers they've believed in God and you might relate with this but but they need to recommit they need to recommit and for uh, some of them this might have been like they they made this commitment last same commitment last year when they were at camp and they needed to do it again just be reminded of it and this happens in our life that we have to recommit time and time again and we have this ongoing decision that we're making and then there are others that might be like you that just aren't ready yet. And the reality is they're in this place where they maybe were invited by a friend. Hey, we're going to go hang out and play, play soccer all week and it's going to be awesome. And then they come and they find out that there's also this faith God component tied into it, which is okay. And a lot of the students just like that is such a privilege and a blessing to them that they love this experience. But at the end of the day, majority of the students walk away a little bit different. So I want to encourage you to think about how that plays out in your life. So today's story specifically talking about the Philippian jailer there is an opportunity for him to leave this story a little bit different. And it starts with Paul, actually. Paul, uh, if you were with us a few weeks back, Pastor Scott was talking about Paul's conversion. There's this idea of in, in our faith journey that there's a conversion, a moment in time maybe where we transition in our belief, in, our, in the way in which we live, and it changes ultimately our future. And I love what happens in Paul's story because ultimately his conversion leads us up into today's story. If, if he had not maybe decided to follow Jesus then and there when the scales fell off his eyes, he may not have been in this position to actually change the life of the jailer. But it's a, it's a great story to tell. And, and here we find ourselves in the story today in Acts where Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in prison because of their uh, leadership and leading out of faith and they were put into to jail. And now... They're given the opportunity to change someone else's life. They're singing and praying because, I don't know about you, but sometimes we find ourselves in this place where that's all we can do. And so they're praying and singing, and God miraculously comes through with the earthquake. The doors fling open, and the jailer is put in this position. He's like, I know that if if all the prisoners are gone, I'm going to become like them. I'm going to become a prisoner, and my life is just as good to be done with. And so he pulls out his sword, and he's about ready to take his own life. But Paul shouts out, stop, stop. And he stops him, and the jailer realizes he has this opportunity to ask this question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what was Paul and Silas' response, anyone? What was the first word? Believe. believe, yes, believe. Believe. I always ask students to respond, so some of you might not be used to it in the weekend. But believe. He says, believe. And sometimes we can simplify that so much that we we minimize it to a head belief. But the reality of this word is that it's much deeper than that. But I also want to point to some other scriptures that help us and guide us a little bit. So Romans chapter 9, or sorry, 10, verse 9 reads this If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it might be more than just a head belief. It's a heart belief as well. And we confess it with our lips because out of our belief we respond in this way. And it's a good picture that maybe helps paint the picture for you. And you're asking yourself, how do I respond in my belief? Then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-9. through nine, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. We can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And salvation is not a reward for good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So, yes, we may do things in response, but ultimately that is not what leads to our salvation. It's this bigger picture of belief. How many can say this word? Let's try it. Try it. Right here, up on the, word, up on the screen. Pistuo. Pistuo. Can you say that? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's Greek, so many of us don't practice that on a regular basis. But pistio gives a, us a bigger picture of what this type of belief means. The word that is actually used in today's Bible reading is pistio, and it's a bigger type of belief. And there's a great uh, former pastor, uh, no longer with us. He's an English Baptist pastor. His name's Charles Spurgeon. He writes about this in such a way that this, this root word, Greek root word, actually encompasses something bigger. Knowledge, belief. And trust. And so Paul and Silas are saying to the jailer, you need to know, believe, and trust in the Lord, and that is what will save you. And so this, this author and pastor, Charles Spurgeon, writes about it. You know, there's this process. It's an ongoing process. It's not just a once, one-time decision that the jailer made in that moment that he's going to believe, and then everything's good. No, it's bigger than that. His family is invited into belief. And out of that belief, they respond by being baptized. But for us, we might have had this experience where we're getting to know about God. We're, we have a head knowledge. We, you know, As children, as students, as adults, we continue to learn about it, and it allows to develop this picture of faith, a picture of what our life would look like as we live centered on Christ. And ultimately, this knowledge ultimately can transition into a deeper heart belief a soul belief, a way in which we start to live and we embody this belief in such a way that it changes the way we live. And we live out of that if with trust. And so belief is not just simplified to just the head knowledge, it's bigger than that. And I wonder where you might be today. Are you still trying to wrestle with this whole story of God and the things of the Bible? Does it really make sense to me? Do I understand it fully? And, and I will admit, you'll never fully understand it. But ultimately, at some point, we get to a point in our life where we start to believe it a little bit more that allows us to trust the story that God has written, the way it shapes our life for eternity. And so this isn't the only story of conversion, and conversion is a word that we might use It really means a change in our life, a big change. And there are other stories in Scripture that I want to point to just to kind of give you a highlight that it doesn't always have to look the same. It may not be this huge one moment uh, like it was for the jailer, but there might be other stories such as Abram's story in Genesis 12. He was invited by God to leave his native land and go to where God was leading him. And he had to make a decision. Am I going to stay or am I going to go? Am I going to flip my life and go where God is leaving or am I going to flop? Am I not going to respond to what God is saying to my life? You might be able to rate, relate. God is calling you to do something, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I actually want to do, do that or not? And he chose to go. And, and many generations following have been impacted by his decision. Ruth, she lost her husband And her mother-in-law is now telling her to go home, go back to where she's from. But the reality is where she's from wouldn't allow her to continue to grow in the Lord. She knew she had to follow her mother-in-law, even though her mother-in-law said time and time again, go home, go home. She's like, no, I can't because I know where you're going. The Lord is also with you. And so I have to go with you. And it changed her life and generations beyond. And then King David, if you know the story of King David, I mean, one of the greatest kings and one of the greatest characters of all time from the standpoint of his leadership. In Psalm 51, he had a moment where he had to confess his sins, where he came to the reality. like, yeah, I'm broken. I've messed up. How many of you have been there, right? We've messed up. But he comes before the Lord and says, I need your forgiveness. And it's a moment in time where you realize, like, I can no longer rest on the fact that I have been sinning all this time. I need to make a change. I need to start to learn how to confess my sins. And so he does this in a way that allows him to be more free of those sins. And then thief on the cross sitting next to Jesus in the last moments asks how he could be with him in paradise forever. And and Jesus simply says, all you got to do is believe and come with me. And you'll be with me forever. And he makes this moment decision. He could have stayed as a thief on the cross, but he changed his life in a moment's time. And so conversion can be looked at in a couple different ways. And going back to our photos earlier, it might be this big conversion moment or this little tiny mini conversion. And the reason I want to share this with you and want you to think about it is because ultimately there are moments and stories that I have heard that people are making this big decision, this one-time decision, I am going to follow Christ with my entire life. But that's not the only moment of Conversion. There's also these daily, ongoing conversions that are happening in our life that change the course of our life, that change the direction in which we're going, that allow us to walk away from wherever we are a little bit different. And what I, what I think about this idea uh, that, that is told in the story is like, for Paul and Silas, Paul already had the big conversion moment, right? But then there is this time he's in prison and he's, he probably has no hope One of maybe his many conversion moments along the way, his ongoing conversion, was he trusted that his prayer and his singing to the Lord was all he could do in that moment. that might have some impact. And ultimately, it led to a miraculous impact. It changed the life of the jailer. And this is really what starts to happen in our life is we start to follow after Christ. We make that decision. Then along the way, we're going to have a chance to impact the lives of others. And so I want to share this also with another story. A story that I don't know if you've seen the movie The Lorax, but there's this young boy, Ted, who's given an opportunity to respond to his belief, to respond and ultimately perhaps change the life of others. Take a look. So I don't know about you, but I've been given seeds over time, these little things that God's just like, hey, you should do this, Brent. Hey, you should do this. And sometimes I just ignore them and I push them aside and I forget the fact that they might actually have impact. The seed that Ted's given, we'll find out in a moment, what actually happens with that seed. But the reality is, we're all given seeds to plant. And the question is, what, what seed will it be, and what will the result be? And many of you have been planting seeds for many, many years. And God is nurturing and grow them, growing them in many ways, and they're impacting many lives. And so the thing that I want us to think about is our belief leads to a response. And so I thought, what better way uh, than to actually give you an opportunity to respond today? I have a student who is responding in her belief that I want to allow her to introduce yourself. And she's going to invite you into responding today. So let's welcome.
1: Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Sophie Bergen. I'm 15 years old. And I'm going to be a sophomore at Ankeny Centennial High School next year. So one day, me and one of my best friends, Ellie Wilson, and I were at Porchlight Coffee House and we were talking about how it was frustrating that the only way people communicate anymore is through technology, and that our way of life is as technology-driven as it is. Ellie and I are both lovers of physical communication and letter writing, and so we began talking about how cool it would be to find some sort of a pen pal in a different part of the world, and so we could get to know them and get to know their different way of life. And as our conversation continued, we began talking about how important we think it is to learn about other people and so we wanted to write a letter to a refugee or an underprivileged child in africa so we searched the internet to try and find some sort of an organization where we could write our letters and send them in and they'd be delivered and then we were going to be done with it but we couldn't find any and so we decided to start something ourselves and so we contacted african children's mission which is a christian missionary where they travel to Uganda and Kenya to meet with underprivileged child underprivileged children and we asked them if we could get people from around our community to write letters if they would hand deliver them to kids in Africa and for me personally whenever I've looked at world issues I felt helpless because I'm 15 years old and I live in Ankeny Iowa so what could I do to help someone else around the world. And so I feel like God laid this on my heart, and he opened these doors for me and gave me this opportunity to share what I believe with kids around the world and to get people in my community involved as well.
0: So uh, let's give God praise for Sophie and what... For what she's doing to respond. I mean, it's an example of many others. But uh, so in a moment, we're going to give you a chance to write a note of encouragement. You were handed a a card on the way in. Uh, If you need a pen or you need a card, our ushers will be around. Um, But I wanted to ask, Sophie, what do you hope happens from these notes of encouragement?
1: Uh, My goal through these letters is that one child's life will be changed or touched because that's all it takes is just for one kid to... Um, believe that there's something more beyond what they have in their everyday life to try to pursue higher education or for them to know that there is a God that loves them.
0: Yeah and so it's amazing I mean I think when she shared this with us it was just like what better way than to give our community an opportunity to respond because sometimes we you know we, we gather together and we don't necessarily have the chance to respond so we're going to practice responding and you're going to get have a moment. Uh, Caleb and the worship band are going to be sharing a worship song. There's going to be a video that kind of helps encourage you to think about what could I write to a a child. Uh, And simple as this, child of God with your notes of encouragement of faith and education, of hope in their life. Because these children that will receive it, we trust seeds will be planted. And that their lives would be changed. And so we may not, this may not be your cup of tea, writing a letter, but uh, maybe you'll need more time than the five minutes we'll give you. But on your way out, if you you do, in fact, write a note of encouragement, you can drop them. There's wood crates and turn them in and we'll we'll be uh, sending those in August. But another way you might respond is just simply by praying for the children, praying for the children that would receive these. The other opportunity you would have is just to sit and pray and ask God, what seed can I plant, Lord? that can change the lives of others. And, and then, then maybe you just need to sit and praise and worship God and, and wrestle with God, uh, like whatever is going on in your life. So we want to give you a chance to respond in some way, shape, or form. And however God is leading you, feel free to sit and just soak in this time. And uh, if you're like, I want to, you, you kind of get the nudge later, I want to write a letter later or a note of encouragement, we'll be collecting them through next weekend so you can bring them back here to the office. But we really just want to encourage you to use this time to respond in whatever way God is leading you. So I want to first thank you for responding, however God led you to respond in that time, but not just today, the way you've been responding for years and the way you'll respond in the years ahead. It's, it's interesting as we think about our belief in our life, ultimately we, we find this is true, that true belief is demonstrated by our response, by what we do, by how we live our life. And this story and this message that we hear time and time again of how God is changing people's lives there may be these big moments but there's also these little things that he's working on these mini moments of conversion where God is changing our steps and direction and and ultimately I don't know if you're like me but sometimes I have trouble responding and Jesus gives us some effective teaching around this in Matthew chapter 7 he says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Sometimes that happens when I hear these things, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. God's kind of like nudge me, and I then I forget. But what was great about Sophie reaching out to Pastor Scott and I to share this opportunity. Uh, also, is true this week, I got this nudge with the other coach, soccer coaches. They're like, we need to send them home with something. So we actually wrote letters, just like you did, to all of, our, all of the soccer players that we spent the week with, just encouraging them, not only in their faith, but also in the, the sport that they play and in their life. And I, I just know that God does these things, and he changes the way, like, oh, yeah, I can do that for more people. And hopefully like God will continually remind me of that, those opportunities. But it's the same, same is true for you. No matter where you're at, maybe you have to make that decision. I want to follow Christ wholeheartedly and that your response will be out of true belief. Maybe it's, you've been there, but just like, I, that's, I got another step to take. There's something else that God's been laying on my heart and ultimately it might take time. You might have to learn more. You may have to believe it a little bit more and trust so that you can step forward. But ultimately, uh, the Lorax shows us a good ending story to this this picture that has been painted. So take a look. (laughs) Who wanted to sing? I know some of you out there did. Um, You know, Ted's response to the belief that was laid in his life changed the community of Thedenville, right? Sophie's response may change the lives of many kids and your response to what she's invited you into today. Same is true for the jailer. His response changed the reality for his family. Now, we are placed in these moments of decision in our life. O'Hare had the opportunity to join in, but he flopped. He totally flopped, and as you saw, it went flying away. But the reality is we're faced with these decisions time and time again, and if you are in a place where it's that big conversion decision that you need to make, that's why we're here. That's why we gather together, and we invite you to come talk to any of us and staff, and we'd be glad to have the conversation. Anyone that's sitting nearby, start the conversation with your family and friends that you're sitting with. The reality is that these moments change our life for the better, that there are seeds that are being planted, and, and God wants to nurture and grow them, and the great thing is, it's not just like, it's not already happened. No, it's already happening, and we can see that, and we hear that time and time again. So again, thank you for Planting those seeds, allowing God to move through you, and thank you for responding to the belief you have. And as you continue to respond to the belief, I mean, our prayer is that we could change the world. There would be change. I don't know if you listened to the lyrics of the song that uh, the band was singing during our response time, but there is change, and we can see that change in the years and the the time ahead into eternity. And so we want to trust and trust that to God. We want to trust that to God and to you to respond to the belief that you've been given. We've been spending this year talking about being to know and to be known. 1 Corinthians 13, I think, really encapsulates what this is all about. The verse for the year is, Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. But following it, we, we may not talk about this a lot, but you've heard, many of you have heard this before. Three things will last forever. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. As we learn to live a life of faith and we follow Christ, the greatest thing we have to give is love, whether it's through a little note of encouragement, whether it's through the ways in which we interact with the people that we work with in our neighborhoods, with our family members. Ultimately, the seed, the greatest seed that we can plant is Love. And Christ gave that love to us so that we can give it to others. And so I want to encourage you, as we worship together, let's give that love back to an amazing God who's given us the love to share. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you so much for encouraging us along our journey. No matter where we're at, Lord, we would pray that you would meet us exactly where we're at. Help us to respond to our belief or disbelief. Ultimately allowing us to grow each and every day for the glory of your Son who lived and died for us. And we gather now and praise you because you're a great God who loves us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.